This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tallboys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tallboys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pine. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking hell, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! Welcome in to another amazing episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys, the official unofficial podcast of the Iowa Hawkeyes football team. Uh, I'll, I'm your host Rob Wall, and I'm joined as always, joined as always with uh, Bo Freeborn. How we doing, Bo? What up? What up? And Dylan Pond. Uh, started. <laughs> How are we doing tonight, guys? All gold tonight. Love it. All gold, everything. Gold Represented. on my chain, my chain. Gold on my watch. <laughs> and we've got an amazing episode. I love that. I actually really do love that song. Um, Great. Too. We got another amazing episode. Before we get into it, guys, we got a beer to crack. I got a bush light. We are actually unofficially sponsored by Bush Light, Miller Light, and the good folks over at Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know if you can hear that, my mic. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, simply grand. Simply grand. So good. Once it hits the lips. Oh. So, like I was saying, we have an amazing show for you today. Um, this is Rivalry. Ri- rivalry. Rivalry week, you guys, and we're playing. Against, it's hard to say. Uh, playing against obviously uh, our biggest in-state rival, obviously. Uh, oh, I, I, Iowa State uh, Cyclones, you guys. Uh, and this is a team that last week um, kind of rolled over Southeast Missouri State, and uh, and this is sort of the game every year in which you know we. We play our first game, and then we have our first test. So we're going to get into the preview for for every all of the listeners here so we can kind of set us up for the game. Uh, normally, we would have uh, another uh, analyst on the show um, from the uh, opposing team kind of get their thoughts. Um, and unfortunately, this tonight, uh, we just weren't able to, to make it happen, but that's all right. Um, we'll be back you know, with another analyst on another show, you know, on another week, which would be fine. So it'll just be us three tonight, guys. But um, I know we're fresh off our our Sunday snapback show. Uh, That was the first time that we did that. So uh, normally, you know, we would go through our reaction, but we've already got that out of our system. As Kirk Ferentz liked to say, we flushed it. And uh, and now we're on to the next one. So um, we'll go ahead and start uh, a little bit with – just some first thoughts, guys, when you're looking at the, you know, Iowa State team, you know, this game coming into what happened last week with both teams, you know, where do you think we stand? Do you think uh, that we have a chance, you know, in this game? <laughs> I'll start with Bo. Yeah, I definitely think we have a chance. Um, I, I think, you know, Iowa State, as you all know, all you listeners out there, I do like to give Iowa State a ton of credit every year, and, and for good reason. I think Matt Campbell's a great coach, even though he's 0-6 against Iowa. You know, they've had they they've simply played better offense than Iowa did last week, so I think there's a lot to be stressing about, although our defense is one of the top defenses in the country right now, and obviously our offense is not, and, uh, and it looked like Iowa State's defense played relatively well last week, even against a bad Southeast Missouri State team, so – I think there's a lot of doubt, a lot of reason for doubt, the Iowa uh, fan base. But I think this could be a really good, really good test and a really good game for us early. Dill, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there, Bo, where this is going to be a good test for this Iowa team. Uh, obviously, offense did not come out and play the, one, play the way they wanted to versus South Dakota State. But 
with that defense and special teams playing at the elite championship level that they're playing at right now, I don't think you can count them out of any game necessarily. So, uh, yeah, over, overall, just really excited to see, you know, the guys come out and see what improvements they make from week one to week two. I know Kirk and Brian have said that about a hundred times where, you know, their teams make the most improvement from week one to week two. So looking forward to see it and really looking forward to seeing it on the offensive side of the ball. And you know what's what's interesting about this Iowa State team too is like they're relatively young. They, they have a couple of guys coming back. You know, they played on that defensive line, obviously Will McDonald and a couple other uh, big name. Oh, Ryan Vance, who's been there forever. It seems like you know they have some older leaders too. But this is the kind of group for Iowa State too that you just never really know because they have no expectations going into the year. You never really know where they're going to end up in that Big Twelve shake. And so this could even be more or less a trap game for Iowa too, right? Where a lot of the Iowa faithful think, okay, hey, you know, we could be 4-0 going into the Michigan week. Who knows? This could be that trap game where Iowa gets suctioned in for whatever reason, lackluster offense, maybe not even taking this game serious, and then it could be something where we end up maybe even getting succumbed to that and maybe losing. So building on that point, I definitely think this is an interesting matchup here for Iowa. Guys, this upcoming week, this game, is a huge prove it situation for Iowa, I think. Um, and not only that, it's a big game for a- anybody who knows college football. Um, it's obviously in-state rivals, you know, and that kind of goes without saying. But there's going to be a lot of people coming to Iowa City to watch this game, including guys from Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. They'll be in Iowa City. Um, Polo G It's going to be uh, in Iowa City, <laughs> he's actually playing a concert in Coralville, um, but I would imagine that he'd be out and about and around. So, um, so that's there's another draw to the area on Saturday, um, and so it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes uh, on the Hawkeyes this this Saturday, and um, I don't know how I feel about that right now. <laughs> You know, I think I think there's a lot of eyes in the offense. Obviously, we talked about it, you know, on, on Saturday, a reactionary pod, and for good reasons too, right? Rob, I want to ask you a question. I think this is on everybody's mind, and I'm sure, you know, everywhere else you've heard from Weistico and, and uh, you know, David Eichholt and things of that nature. But, you know, what happens if Iowa comes out and has a lackluster first quarter, first half? You know, is the are the coaches going to go ahead and maybe look and see, hey, maybe it's time we throw in Alex Padilla? Or do you think that it's going to be a thing where they're going to give Spencer Petras a long leash and let him do his thing regardless of what happens in the offensive production? Well, that's a great question. Um, Let me answer it uh, in a few different ways. One, I think that I think I don't know if we were we talked about it on the podcast or if I talked about it just drinking beers on last last Saturday. But there was a Boise State game where. they were playing their starter. He threw a couple interceptions, had a couple of bad series, and they pulled him for a freshman who hadn't played before. Um, you know, and that's a, a decent-sized program. You know what I mean? That was the move that they went with. And I don't understand um, how we're not following suit. You know, it's just it doesn't make sense to me to not give uh, other guys a shot unless – and we and we also cover this on our reactionary pod is that, you know, um, you know, we don't really know what's going on in the locker room and, and we don't know who's how great these guys are playing. But it's just so hard to imagine that, like he's that Spencer's that much better than the other guys in the in the quarterback room, um, you know, to be able to do that. Uh, second point, I will say, um, and we and this is kind of leading us into uh, the Iowa State uh, team, but uh, so I watched that whole on YouTube right now. There, the whole uh, game broadcast is on YouTube. I, I don't know how they. I think somebody just uploaded it randomly, and YouTube hasn't gotten around to deleting it yet. But um, yesterday, I watched uh, Iowa State Cyclones, Southeast Missouri State, the whole game, um, just like no commercials. It was pretty easy. It was only an hour and some. And uh, their so their quarterback, the Southeast Missouri State quarterback. Paxton De Laurent is his name. Um, he he was kind of a, was a mobile quarterback. He reminded me a little bit of a Padilla. 
He could get out of the pocket. If there was, if the play broke down, nobody's open. He made plays with his legs. He got multiple first downs by running the ball. And I was just thinking to myself the entire time, like it, it was obvious that they were, they were able to move the ball pretty effectively uh, for the most part against uh, Iowa state. They literally just got outscored. It seemed like a um, couple picks, couple turnovers. That was the end of the game pretty much. Um, but they extended drives based on the legs of their quarterback. And I was just thinking to myself like Pat, well, Spencer can't do that. We have not seen him do that. In fact, there was a third down uh, this last game against, uh, and I'm going on a rant. I'll let you chime in, Dill, here in a second. But uh, there was a there was a series, if you remember, against uh, South Dakota State, uh, where you know Spencer kind of got out of the pocket. It was third down. He ran for the first, and he slid three yards before the first down marker. And it's like, hey, you know, like I think that, you know, coaches have said it before, like you you get the ball uh, and you're and we need to have this conversion on a third down. Like, congratulations, you're now a running back. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get that first down. You're the leader of the team. Uh, but I digress. I'll, I'll leave it to Dill. What do you think? No, I think I mean, hands down, if he plays the way he did. You know, in the first four first few quarters of this game, he's going to get the yank. I think his leash is short. I think Brian, you know, indirectly said that in his press conference today where he, you know, he's talking about how Spencer Petras has to get back to the fundamentals, you know, and that's just heartbreaking to hear that your redshirt senior quarterback needs to get back to the fundamentals. Like, you know, that that's what you spend the off season working on. So, uh, yeah, I reading in between the lines in that press conference, that kind of made me feel like, that leash is going to be awfully short. So, uh, you know, if we see Spencer Petras that we saw last Saturday in the first quarter, next Saturday, or this upcoming Saturday, I'd expect him to get yanked for Alex Padilla pretty quick. So I'll pass this one back to you too. But, you know, last week we, we even talked about how uh, lackluster the offensive line production was. Do you think that this week there's actually going to be any changes? Do you think that the – the new and revised depth chart actually tells us anything, or do you think that that's just a classic Kirk Ferentz? Hey, here's what it is. We just took off the guys you probably aren't going to play. And then you'll just happen to see who we plug and play on Saturday. Right. And so what people need to realize about the depth chart, if they don't already know, this is the Iowa sports information director, athletic guy is the one that puts those out. So literally what he's doing, you know, he might email Kirk and say, Hey, does this look right? And it's literally a copy and paste. And it's like, and you guys probably all saw it too, where they had to put out a revised copy because it's like, oh shit, that's right. Uh, Justin Jacobs and Keegan Johnson and a few other guys are hurt. So it's like literally the spring depth chart, just copy and paste. And it's like, come on, like, you know, at least make it a little less of a joke. So yeah, no, that, that depth chart is ridiculous. That being said, I do think you're going to see a few changes on the offensive line you know, a little bit more rotating where I just last week flat out wasn't good enough, you know, and not huge on calling guys out directly, but, you know, Nick DeYoung won at that left guard spot was just horrendous. Um, You know, and really just across the line, I think you saw Logan Jones take some licks. You saw, you know, Connor Colby over that, that right tackle spot, take some licks. You even saw that with Mason Richmond over at left tackle who started there all last year. So everybody took licks and, you know, they had to come out this week and practice and re-earn it. So I can't I, – I think you're going to see a big improvement because it sounds like it, all the guys got their asses chewed and they got to improve. And it's got to show up, and it's got to show up quick because Iowa State is no South Dakota State, that's for sure. For sure. Well, I think a lot of the things that we saw in spring ball and even fall ball is there's a ton of injuries on that old line too. So getting everybody healthy and getting everybody at least a few snaps, I'm sure definitely is tough. Rob, I, I, speaking of Justin Jacobs, I wanted to ask you this too. I, we saw a lot of Cooper DeGene last week, and then obviously our, our third string, our second string, backup linebacker, um, oh, Klimp, uh, Klimp is his last name. Logan Come in and play, Yeah, play really well. Um, Rob, I want to ask you this question too. Do you, think that, do you think that it hurts Iowa not having Justin Jacobs for this Iowa State game or even for the near future? Or do you think that having – having Cooper DeGene and even Logan Klimp uh, there suffices in, in his, in his steps. So, yeah, I think it's going to hurt. 
I don't think um, – <clears throat> I think that this is a defense that we have so many guys that – like we have a lot of good players in our secondary. Um, I was – I thought this was a – if with Justin Jacobs in the lineup, that's like one of the best linebacking like cores that we've – like line up with three linebackers that we've had in a long time. Um, and you can't really – replace Justin Jacobs speed as well, which is a, I mean, his ability to, to cover like from sideline to sideline is just really great. So, so that's going to be tough. Logan Klemp. Um, I don't, I didn't really see a whole lot. I mean, we saw him when he, when he was in the game, but I haven't, haven't seen enough of him to really know, like, you know, I would assume that Justin's faster than him, you know, but um, I feel like even with him out of the lineup, like we can shift and, we'd probably play more formations that maybe we wouldn't with Justin in the lineup because of his ability to, to cover the, the flats and his nose to the ball and things like that. Uh, so I, I'd like to hope that we'll be just fine without him. Um, but it's, I mean, he's just a guy that's hard to replace. For sure. For sure. And it gives us linebacker depth too, right? Like not, every, not anybody else really has anybody, any other depth excite, except for him too which takes a ton of wear and tear off of Jack Campbell, which we obviously cannot have him go down this year either. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> Rob, you were the only one that watched that Iowa State game. You got you want to tell us a little bit more about the Cyclones and what you uh, what we should uh, – our fans should be looking for this weekend going into the Cyhawk game? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I will do my best impression of uh, Cylites or whoever we were going to have join us. Just kidding. I don't know him, but um, I will, I will do the the best I can to run it, run, run down this Iowa state team for those who weren't able to see the game. Um, and I'll tell you what guys, when I watched the game, and I know I talked about it earlier, but um, I was just very impressed with the way that the Iowa, you know, Iowa state's offense was uh, clicking. Um, it's hard to put it into context against a, a team like Southeast Missouri state. They're probably going to be one of the teams that vie for their conference championship. But um, other than that, you know, they're not a uh, they're not a South Dakota state. You know what I mean? They're not like a perennial power. So um, so keeping that in mind, um, I can kind of run through the box score to give you an idea of what it looked like. But the final score is 42 to 10. Uh, it was 21 10 at halftime. Southeast Missouri State actually scored their 10 points in the span of like a minute and 30 seconds or so towards the end of the first half. There was a lot of momentum for them going in, going into the second half. And I actually thought I knew that Iowa State won big, but I hadn't really seen the score. But I, but it looked like the game like was a little bit closer than you would think from a 42-10 score. Like uh, like I mentioned it before, but Southeast Missouri State was able to really, you know, move the ball on offense. They got a couple of uh, uh, turnovers on defense. There was an interception they had. Um, but overall, like, I was scared. It, it's interesting. So watching the – so let, first off, let me just backtrack. Let's just – let me tell you the stats, and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Hunter Deckers, quarterback, sophomore quarterback, 6'3". He's a big guy. He's a pocket passer. 25 for 31, 293 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. Pretty good game, honestly. Uh, and that's what you want out of a, a, a sophomore quarterback. But also this guy's been under Brock Purdy this entire time. You know what I mean? So we don't really know what we had because they thought that Brock Purdy was going to be an NFL guy. And maybe he is. I don't know if he made a 53-man roster. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, uh, those insane Cyclone fans uh, were really high on that guy. Um, then you got their rush, uh, their running attack. They got Jarrell Brock, uh, which we talked about. He had 16 carries, 104 yards. The average six and a half a carry. He made some pretty interesting uh, moves in the open field, um, which I was really shocked at. There was one where he was able to shake, run down the sideline. And then there was one guy left to beat. Um, and he just stopped like full speed jab step stop that guy goes flying then he just continues his way and then i i think the over the other side corner who had the final contain like you know tackled him at the one but yeah that was a really impressive athletic play by him they also have a uh we saw a freshman running back 
from Iowa State. This guy is Cartavius Norton, and he's literally like a a Maurice Jones Drew type clone. Um, he's five. He's a freshman, five eleven, two twelve, out of Waycross, Georgia, <laughs> and uh, and he's just a bowling ball back there. So uh, so he was a really physical runner. Uh, they said that he runs angry. <laughs> so um, so that was kind of cool to see. But guys, they have they have a receiving core that reminds me of our receiving core of years past. Uh, if we could even get him the ball, unfortunately. But obviously, everybody knows this guy's name by now after this coming out party that he had this last week. Xavier Hutchinson X. He plays the X receiver. He had eight receptions for 128 yards and three touchdowns. All three touchdowns were in the first half. Um, he was ridiculous. I mean, he just caught, they just, he just ran crisp routes and it looked like the uh, Southeast Missouri state guy, you know, just kind of wasn't able to keep up Hunter Deckers threw some impressive throws to him and he just caught him easily. So if you throw him, he's got a pretty big catch radius. He's six, three. Uh, so, you know, you get him the ball in, in any sort of uh, one-on-one situation and he's been able to come down with it. Makes you think that Riley Moss is going to be all over him on Saturday. They'll they'll go man with Riley Moss. You you got to think anyway. Yeah, if I was oh, a defense yeah. or or some sort of press zone, anyways. But yeah. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. We I think that that's the guy that ran, the Riley Moss will cover. Other uh, receivers of notable uh, Jalen Noel. He's like their. Uh, they call it an F, but. He's like their slot receiver. He's 5'11". He's really quick and shifty. He had a couple of nice plays. They got him the – he's the guy that they run bubble screens with, um, and he's the guy that they try to get the ball in space. He reminds me of like a Smith-Marset. If you get him in – I mean, he could he could be a – he's got the game break type of speed. Uh, so that's a little rundown of their offense, guys. Their offensive line look, look okay. They, they were able to like hold back and, and give the – quarterback some uh I don't know some some time to throw which I think really helped his game but the real question you guys um is because I'm not worried about as much as the the Iowa State offense you know what I mean they've got playmakers we've got playmakers I feel like they're you know like one two or three punch or whatever that they have we have that with our defense you know what I mean even though we're a little banged up like I think we can still we have what it takes to like stop them from scoring the real battle this Saturday, in my opinion, is going to be the Iowa state defense versus our offense. Um, and I didn't really see a whole lot aside from um, a pick. They had an interception. Um, I just, I think the game's really going to come down to that and special teams. And obviously we know uh, watching the Iowa, Iowa State games as of years past, special teams has been what really actually won the game. Uh, circa that muff punt last year. Sorry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I that's spot on there, Rob. I think, you know, in any rivalry game, right, defense and special teams always plays a major, major factor. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, I feel so good coming into Saturday, despite the offensive woes that we suffered last week. But Looking in a little bit at Iowa State's defense, you know, I know we can all touch on it. They kind of run that hybrid 3-4, and I know, you know, Coach Heacock calls it that 3-3-5 is what they run, where they run, you know, three linemen, three linebackers, and essentially, you know, five guys back in the secondary. So pretty cool how they do that. And I know they have lost some pieces, but they do return All-American, you know, defensive end, Leo linebacker hybrid, Will McDonald. Uh He's a freak. He's a stud. I know that was a big win for them guys getting him back and not having him go to the draft. Uh, middle linebacker, Orion Vance as well. Guy for, guy out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And, you know, another stud, redshirt senior. So that, that's what you notice when you look just at a pure depth chart. You know, you got a lot, of, a lot of experience coming back on this defense and a defense that, frankly, has given the Iowa Hawkeyes fits in years past. So uh, it's going to be a test, you know, for – one of the worst offenses I've seen in week one since I've been a Hawkeye fan. We're going to have our hands full. Do you think, though, that, you know, based on, on, based on Rob's um, 
you know, visual of how well Southeast Missouri State was able to actually run the ball on Iowa State. Do you think that that gives Iowa a little bit of confidence going in that, you know, hey, there may be something here that, you know, we, we may be able to break off four or five yards of carry and just hang on that back the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean, it probably does give the Iowa offense a little bit of confidence going in, you know, during film study and whatnot. But what they got to realize, too, is, you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes aren't the only team watching film this week, right? Iowa State's going to be watching film as well. And I think any defensive coordinator that's worth his merit is going to know that he needs to blitz Petrus early and often. You know, force that guy to beat you with his arm and not let those guys beat you on the ground. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, South Dakota State almost did it. And they're an FCS team, right? So, you know, any defensive coordinator that's worth his pay is going to know that. So you're going to see, you know, eight, nine guys in the box. And, uh, you know, Hecox's defense is going to say, hey, you know, Spencer, you're going to have to beat us with your arm if you're going to beat us. And so we're going to figure out really, really quick whether or not Spencer Petrus is the guy. Dill, I think we talked about this offline, but, um, you know, it, it appeared whoever it was um, who had said this, so that the South Dakota state was actually packing the box with 10 dudes at one time. So I think that also right. comes back to Brian trying to not be so predictable, right? Like we, we got to be able to set, get the run to set up the pass, but we also have to be non-predictable to where, you know, we can actually get a couple of things done to where these guys actually aren't going to stack, stack the box and force us to actually throw the ball to, you know, and I, and I do get that point, Bo, but that's easier said than done. Right. Cause Okay, as soon as you come out and you throw the ball on first down and Spencer Petrus misses Sam Laporta on the other end of the field, wide open, throws it six feet over his head. I mean, I just, you know, I, I understand the hate of Brian, you know, being the head coach's kid, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But, I mean, at some point, you know, you got to look at the players too. And I get, you know, the offensive coordinator is a direct reflection of his players and vice versa. So I get that. You know, I'm not saying he's not not worthy of his criticism, but, you know, I he's definitely not the only one at fault there where, you know, you see 10 guys in the box and, you know, Spencer Petrus does have the ability, as far as we know, I mean, I've seen him make checks at the line where he could check into a quick pass. You know, you see 10 guys in the box and, you know, throw a quick slant over the middle, you know, to your ex, ex receiver. I don't think, I don't see why you couldn't do that, so. It, it goes every which way, you know what I mean? And, again, it, it's going to be a test for our offense, and I'm excited to see it. Let me ask you you guys this, because um, we talked about play calling. You know, we've, we've been talking about the coaching situation. We've been talking about the quarterback situation. Um, and over the last – since we've had our uh, reaction episode, you guys, I've been kind of monitoring um, a lot of the talk around the Hawkeyes, things like that. I've sent you guys a couple of the videos that I see. I've seen, but, um, but you guys like, what do you say to the folks that are out there that are like, Oh, you just got to write this one off. You guys, this was a vanilla game for Brian Ferentz. He doesn't want to show, you know, the, uh, the whole playbook on the first week, you know, he was just running these vanilla plays and that's why we aren't, he, you know, we weren't running all the plays we normally run. What I would say to those people, Rob, is it shouldn't matter. You're playing an FCS team, and yeah, granted, they are an FCS powerhouse. It's still a team that gets, what, 30 fewer scholarship players than you, millions less per year than you do. I mean, there, There's just no excuse for that. You should be able to run stretch right, stretch left all game long and still put up, you know, 28 points on the board and win comfortably by two, three touchdowns, so – I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. What what Saturday was was just an overall horseshit performance. And look at that. We said we flushed it. You guys got me rambling again, damn it. Um, <laughs> well, it's a, just a big point. Said, it is. It, it really is just a huge point. I mean, like, it, that's where I keep going back and forth. It's like, okay, you know, no matter what, defense and special teams is going to keep us in this game because early, we know that, right? if our offense can be even average on Saturday, you know, I, I think there's a good chance Iowa wins this game by multiple scores. Now, if that offense is below average, I think they're going to have a tough time winning. And then if the offense is as poor as it was last week, not a chance. I don't, 
or I shouldn't say not a chance, but a very slim, slim chance where, you know, there will be zero margin for error. You know, on that point too, I know we've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, what, what we're nervous about. Um, I want to ask both of you guys this as well. You know, what, what do you, what position are you most optimistic about? I know we talked about this week one as well, but you know, after seeing last week's woes, Rob, we'll start with you. What position are you most optimistic about moving forward after that win last week? Offense or defense? Either. Oh, okay. Cause I, okay. Cause I was going to cheat and be like, our secondary. <laughs> I thought you were going to specify that I had to be on offense because that would have been tough. <laughs> I'm going to say our secondary. Um, I thought they had they, they were great in coverage. They were knocking down balls. They were making tackles. Um, you know, they were getting their noses in, um, stopping the ball carriers, the guys who, you know, if they're trying to get the ball in space on the edge. I thought our secondary played really well, and I think that is sometimes um, it seems like uh, – that can be a harder, a harder part of the defense to lock down. Um, so, so yeah. Anyways, I'm excited about our secondary. If I were to choose one on offense just for fun, um, man, I want to say running backs, but they fumbled. I want to say receivers, but they're all like brand new. Like you know what I mean? Because we've been struggling with the injuries, which we can get to in a second. I'm never going to say quarterback. Our offensive line was tough, so that leaves tight ends. And I'll choose tight ends um, just because I have high hopes for them. I felt for them last week. It seemed like they were doing their best to try to come up with some of the balls that they were throwing their way. It seemed like they did all right with uh, some of the other blocking and things that they were doing. So I'll go tight ends. Good luck like with it. that one, Dill. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> see, I, see I, I, I like it there, but I like it there, Rob. I see what you did there, and – um, I'm going to go kind of a similar route to what you did. I think offensively the position I'm the most excited for, the most optimistic about would be at that wide receiver spot in Arlen Bruce, you know, for being a true sophomore, I thought he really played a hell of a game. And, um, especially with all the receivers we had out, I think that defense kind of keyed in on him as being the guy and he still, you know, did a good job of splitting out and getting open. So that was cool to see, uh, defensively kind of stealing Rob's here a little bit, but I'll give you a specific position. Uh, Quinn Schulte at that free safety spot, you know, uh, former walk-on, I believe. I want to say he's on scholarship now, but if not, he definitely earned it last week where, you know, he played a phenomenal game. Uh, he really did stepping in for Jack Kerner, you know, multi-year starter at free safety for the Hawks and, you know, currently bouncing around a little bit in the NFL. I think, you know, those were some big shoes to fill and He showed right away. Like, granted, yeah, it was for South Dakota State, but he showed right away that, you know, he's the man. And um, really excited to see what he does these next couple of years as Hawkeye. And then special teams, Tory Taylor, the best punter in the nation. He's has to win the Ray Guy Award. I mean, hands down the best punter in the nation and pumped he's on our team. What do you think, Bo? Well, first off, I'll say that I, I, I cannot believe he didn't even win Big Ten uh, special teams player of the week last week. That was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, snubbed. I thought he, um, he did. Yeah, so I'll leave he it did. at that. But uh, uh, who? I think Maryland's punter. It's either Maryland or Rutgers. Um, one of those two. I was gonna. I was just trying to rack my brain. I feel like did somebody run a kickback or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think one of those guys had a seventy-two yard punt. Regardless, wow. I digress. Uh, Rob, I, I know you said no to this earlier, but I think my most optimistic position is going to be the running back position this week. I think we're going to get Gavin Williams back. Although last week I don't. Don't think that I, – I didn't think that it was going to mean much that he wasn't going to play. I thought that we were going to see a lot more Caleb Johnson and, and LaShawn, uh, LaShawn Williams uh, really take the load and, and do really well. But I think uh, getting getting our number one guy back is going to be absolutely huge for us. And uh, if we can run better than Southeast Missouri State did on, on um, you know, Iowa State's front, front D line, then I think that that's going to really jumpstart this, this offense. So I think the, the team – the position that I'm really excited for is, is going to be the running backs this week. Awesome. And also, well, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here or anything. Sure. Tory Taylor did in fact win big 10 special teams player of the week. Interesting. Oh, he deserved yeah. it. Uh, see, that's yeah. That's what, that's what I was thinking he did, but 
regard regardless. I mean, well deserved. The dude kicks ass. So, um, yeah, he's gonna win the Ray Guy Award, best punter in the nation. You can't tell me any different. We talked about oh. it, you guys. Um, and you know what is great for him if he gets drafted, he's gonna go to a team that probably isn't gonna be very good. And um, well, actually, you never know with punters, but great opportunity to punt. <laughs> and honestly, we talked about it last week, you guys, but Tory Taylor, if we did not have him on our team, I don't know if we escaped last week with a win, which is real scary to say. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Rob. I think, you know, it certainly would have been a lot closer because you're not pinning, you know, you're not pinning South Dakota State back down in the north end zone, uh, you know, as many times as you were. So. And, you know, I'm not just saying that because I sit down there, but, you know, the noise level coming out of that north end zone is just freakishly, freakishly loud where you cannot hear yourself thinking to think that happened on North or North Dakota, South Dakota State's first two drives. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool to see that get loud for, you know, what typically isn't that big of a game. Yeah, dude, they're not used to that. And I'm not surprised that that threw them off. And I'll tell you what. Um, Based on the way that we have played so far this season on offense, based on the way that our defense has kept us in the game, based on the way our special teams has pinned people down in the north end zone, these games that this game, this one game that we've played this season so far, um, has literally come down to the smallest things to put us over the edge for a win. And if we want to win against Iowa State, I think having the fans cheer super loud and making it hard for them to hear the signals um, when we pin them down, you know, I, I think that is going to play a factor in whether or not we win the game. I've seen smaller things, you know, tip the scales. So that's a call to action for all the Hawkeye fans who are going to be going to the game this Saturday. Um, before we get into uh, – I, w- I want to get into Dylan's keys to the – to victory. Uh, before we get there, I, we just need to address the, the injuries um, so far, because un- this is actually uh, a unique uh, situation that we've been kind of hit with the injury bug. It seems like over the, uh, over the off season at the beginning here of this season, we're still sort of not even back to anywhere close of where we normally are as far as injuries. So actually both of our top, receivers are actually going to be out of the game. So that's Nico Regani, which we talked about last week, and also Keegan Johnson, um, who's a standout sophomore from last year uh, on the edge. And so those two guys gone, a starting corner gone, a starting Leo, uh, starting corner would be Jamar Harris, starting Leo linebacker we talked about, Justin Jacobs, is also gone. So, guys, there's uh, two key players in offensive defense who are gone. I mean – do we think this is, is, is really going to affect us at all? How, how do you think, you know, the uh, younger players stepping into this next man up situation are going to fare? Yeah, I think it all just depends from the, on the offensive side of things. I think it all just depends on, you know, play calling, right? We're going to get Brody Breck back this week. And so hopefully he's a full go, which, you know, should do really good things to our X position. Um, and also Arlen Bruce is going to continue to play. So, uh, and and uh, Alec Wick is another great option on uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So obviously those guys they still talk about um, Keegan Johnson and and Nico Regani being leaders on on the offensive side of the ball, even though they're not playing. So I think that speaks volumes to that that uh, that team right now. But got to be able to get them the ball, and we got to make sure that you know if we're going to get the play called to them, that we can execute the play too. On defense, I think we are extremely extremely deep. And so hearing all the, the injuries on defense obviously sucks, but it's great to know that we have a ton of depth behind them. And then one other name that you forgot to add there too was uh, uh, Y.A. Black, who broke his foot. He'll be out four to six weeks too on the D-line. Again, thankfully, we have a deep D-line there, but still another another killer to the to the D-line depth there. And Okay, so quick quick story there to add about uh, Y.A. Black. For those that don't know this, kind of a cool story. So he broke his foot in the game versus South Dakota State last week. He had no idea. So, like, if you ever think you get a little bit of, you know, adrenaline pumping when you're at work or, you know, watching your team play or whatever, he had no idea he broke his foot until he got off, you know, got back into the locker room and went to take off his cleats. 
And then it's wow. like, oh yeah, this this kind of hurts a little bit. And then yeah, it turns out he has a broken foot out for six weeks. It's like keep in keep in mind ridiculous. he's like he's like three hundred pounds, six five. So that's like that's not a it's not like a light human walking around either. Right. <laughs> also, so, um, but over overall, I was just gonna say quick, Rob, that you okay. know, I, I echo all of those points where defensively we're stupid deep. Uh yeah, injuries still suck, but excited to see some young guys get into the mix now with you know, one guy on the D-line going down, you're going to see Aaron Graves probably going to action, so that'll be cool to see. And then, you know, we'll get a chance to see what Logan Klemp can do at that uh, Leo linebacker position that Justin Jacobs plays. However, you know, especially with Iowa State not having their two stud tight ends that they graduated last year, that Charlie Kalar and uh, the other Chase guy, Allen. who I forget. Chase Allen, thank you, tall guy. That's what I was thinking. But um, expect to see a lot more cash anyways, so – We'll see more Cooper DeGene in there, or, you know, whoever they have bump into that cash, cash position if they got Cooper over at cornerback. And, you know, sure will be some shuffling around there, but not worried whatsoever about that defense. That's that, And that's actually nice for us because, honestly, you know, what I saw from the game film last week with Iowa State, they ran a lot of, like, spread. So um, four receiver sets, three receiver sets. That's going to put us in uh, sort of a cash or nickel situation. And, and, and we're deep in the secondary or I don't want to say too deep because I don't want anyone else to get hurt. But, but I, you know, I feel like that's a, that's a strong point for us. So I think that's going to be fine. Um, another, uh, I just wanted to highlight one guy that you brought up, Bo, um, Brody Brecht. He's a freshman out of Ankeny, Iowa. So uh, this is probably going to be a big game for him. I bet his family is going to be there. If he gets a lot of playing time at the wide receiver position, he's 6'4", 217. It's a pretty big target. Um, he's uh, number 14. So be on the lookout for him. I'd love to see him catch a touchdown. Um, I'd love to see the Hawkeyes score a touchdown for the first time this year. Hot take. <laughs> so. Hot take. That'd be cool. But yeah, that'd be great. Uh, okay, so without further ado, guys, I think it's time to get into Dylan's keys to victory. Take it away, Dylan. All righty. I'm going to start with special teams. Special teams, uh, my key to victory is going to be the kickers, actually. Um, you know, I saw – we saw Aaron Blom go one for two last Saturday. You know, didn't miss that first kick by much, at least it looked like from my angle. Maybe those of you watching on TV can correct me in the tweets, but – you know, he, he looks like a good kicker. I know, you know, they say that competition between him and Drew Stevens is going to go into this week a little bit. So looking, you know, looking forward to seeing what they got to do because special teams, as we pointed out earlier, does make the difference. So I'm looking at those kickers to come up big and, you know, provide a spark for that offense to get some more points on the board. Defensively, uh, really looking at, you know, whoever steps up in that cash roll. I know depth chart wise, it says Cooper Jean, but we saw him, play a little bit of cornerback as well last week. So uh, that cash position is going to be huge for me, especially with Jacobs being out because they're going to want to stick to that 4-2 vibe versus playing in the 4-3. So, uh, you know, got to be locked down there because Iowa State's got three stud wide receivers and got a run game to boot. So uh, defensively, going to have to be on their toes. But, again, one of the best defenses in the country. I think they're more than up to the challenge. Then offensively, the one you are all waiting for, my keys to victory is to just get anything, anything going. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if it's Spencer Petras running six quarterback snakes in a row. Do something. Get it going. Um, obviously, that starts up front. You know, the offensive line has to play better. You know, I'm looking at Logan Jones at that center spot. I'm looking at Nick DeYoung over there in left guard, just across the line. They have got to be better, and I, I really think they can and will be better. You know, look to see, you know, Jennings Dunker, Bo Stevens in the rotation there. And so tackles as well. You know, the tackles have got to step up and improve. And Mason Richmond didn't play his best game last week either. And, you know, Connor Colby over there on the right side, a little newer to that right tackle spot. But, you know, took a few licks Monday, time to get better. And uh, what did Brian say? I think he said, you know, he's got to stop being a guard at that tackle, tackle spot. So you know, get honed in on those responsibilities and get ready to go and, you know, be ready for a challenge with that three, three, five, because that's kind of a funky defense for offensive linemen. So 
uh, just got to be ready for anything. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Dill. Love it. Love it as always. That was Dylan's Keys to Victory, sponsored by Miller Lite uh, unofficially. And we'll have to put our money where our mouth is, guys, because this is the time in the show in which we'll get to our predictions. I will walk you through. This is unofficially sponsored by DraftKings of where we're at with our um, where the line's at. So for the degenerates out there right now, Iowa minus three and a half favorites to win against Iowa State. So Iowa State is plus three and a half. The money line for Iowa is minus 115. I think they're giving us three and a half just for because we're playing at home. Over-unders at 40. That's money line spread, sorry. Uh, correction, money, money line Iowa, just straight Iowa to win is minus 180, but still. Um, so if we go to predictions... I'll let Bo, you want to go first? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I might as well get it over with. And and my only rationale for mine is until Iowa's offense can prove to me that they're going to win or they're going to go score, I got to go Iowa State here. I have Iowa State winning 17-12. to 12. I think Iowa gets four field goals. I think Iowa's defense does the best that they can to hold off. Um, you know, Iowa State's attack, but obviously they're going to get two touchdowns and a field goal. I do want to add, to the hot take for this week. That, I don't know if uh, listeners, if you guys are big PFF, pro football focus uh, graders here, but my hot take this week is that Jennings Dunker is going to be the highest rated old lineman for the second week in a row. And for those of you who looked last week, he was actually the highest at like 70.4 uh, last week. So with that being said, Jennings Dunker is actually going to get to play, meaning that likely Nick DeYoung will get benched and he will have the highest uh, O-line rating in PFF this week. Rob, I'll pass back to you. All right. My prediction for the game is that Iowa comes away with a win, 10 to 3, final score. Uh, so I'm going the under. If you guys remember from last week, I also bet the under, and the under hit. Uh, there weren't a lot of touchdowns scored or any, uh, for that matter. Um, so I think if I was going to have a hot take, I'd say that the Hawkeyes score their first official touchdown <laughs> of the year in this game against the Iowa state defense hot take. I okay. think it'll be um, Gavin Williams. <laughs> there you go. Okay. But I'm hoping for Brody Brecht. I'm hoping for Brody Brecht. I really would like him to catch one, but I don't know if we'll be able to give him the ball. What do you think, Bill? You know, guys, I've gone back and forth on this pick all day long where, you know, part of me is negative and, says, you know, Iowa's not going to score a point offensively all year. Uh, the likelihood of that happening, obviously, isn't very good, right? So I'm thinking my prediction, you know, and I really wanted to be a smart ass and say five to three Iowa wins with a field goal and a safety, but I'm not going to do that. I'll go a little bit more hardcore here. So I'm going 24. I think Iowa scores 24 points, and I think they're going to hold Iowa State to 13. Wow. 24 to 13. I think they cover the spread, but, you know, still hit the under. Wow. If the Hawkeyes score 24 points, I think everybody who was bellyaching this last week has been put straight to bed. I don't know if you saw the post-game press conference, um, but Spencer came out and he's like, I'm not going to talk about anything about, like, the throws or anything like that. Like, yeah, yeah, and not, and not talking about it, it's done, it's over. <laughs> um, no, but that, that's kind of my rat. Um, I think with how poorly, poorly they played, you know, it's it's reminiscent of 2009, where you know that team went on to win the Orange Bowl despite needing two blocked field goals just to come away with the victory versus you and I, who you know, for the record, South Dakota State historically has had their way with you and I. So, you know, South Dakota State's a little bit better of a team than they are. So if they can get that offense going, man, this is a scary, scary team. You know, I know nobody voted for them in the top 25, and I totally get that based off of that offensive performance. But, you know, I don't think it's going to take much. And my hot take, I think it's Alex Padilla. I think Alex Padilla comes in and throws for two touchdowns. Solid sizzling hot. 
Okay. Because I got to ask this question. It just came to me. But if Padilla comes in and he is the spark that lights the offense, he throws for two, he runs for one, he's the reason we beat Iowa State. Is this his job now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he, yes. He is the guy moving forward. What do you think Padilla's t shirts will say? Padilla throws darts. <laughs> In Padilla, we trust. <laughs> no, that, that, That'll be that a sure, question sure for you listeners. <laughs> That'll you be a go. question for you guys, you marketing majors out there. Uh, get with Padilla. You know, that's, that's where the hot money is right now. <laughs> That'd be a great uh, way to boost your resume. All right. Well, um, Final thoughts, guys, before we close this episode out. I just want to win, guys. I don't care what it takes. I just want to win. Again, I know, again, it's little brother, but still, I just want to win. In the words of the late, great Al Davis of Raider Nation, just win, baby. That's all I got. Gosh, dude. Sometimes Kirk reminds me of him. <laughs> like, it seemed like on that – I mean, just because you said that, it just seemed like when the whole way that the team went about this entire last week was just like the house is burning down behind him. They're like, everything's fine. We got, we came away with a win. We did what we were supposed to on to the next. Yep. And it's like, I respect that because it's very classy. There's a lot of, there's a shit storm going on among everybody, but. You know, and, and as, and as far as the insider information goes, I can safely assure our listeners that Brian Ferentz and the offensive staff during film session did not just look at that as, Oh yeah, we won. We did what we were supposed to do. Now they nitpicked absolutely everything. And Spencer Petrus, Petrus will be on a short leash come Saturday. Well, I'm really looking forward to the game. Hey, Bill, you want to tell us what time it is? Yeah, it is at 307, 307 kickoff. They said there was a slight chance of rain. Sounds like it's not going to rain no more. 83 degrees should be overcasty, so a beautiful day for football. And if you guys are watching at home, Big Ten Network will have it on for you. Perfect. Well, that's all we got, you guys. We're going to go ahead and close this episode out with little Hawkeye Victory Polka. Hopefully something we'll be hearing this Saturday. We will see you guys next time on Sunday, uh, and we'll record a reactionary podcast, and we'll talk about how the game went. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in.